I just wanted to take a second to thank every single one of you who continue to listen to the show, who continue to reach out and leave your feedback and let us know how the show is making an impact in your life. When I started this show almost three years ago, I had no idea that it would turn into not only therapy sessions for me, (laughs) but also for many of you. October 15th, 2021 marks the three-year anniversary of the Walk in My Stilettos podcast, the interview show where we are sharing inspiring stories of resilience, helping other women to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. It's been a complete honor this year to be globally ranked in the top 1.5% most popular show out of all podcasts, that's over 2.6 million shows. And since starting the show, we have ranked in many countries on their top charts, including number two in Jamaica, number two in Bahamas, number three in Kenya, number five in Nepal, top 10 in Canada, and even top 18 in South Korea. I just want to take this time to include all of you. We would love to do an episode in honor of the three-year anniversary where we get to hear your voice. So I'm asking you to head over to my personal Instagram page, that's at the Real McKinney Smith, and send me a voice note. A voice note with your review of how the show has impacted your life, or what episode resonated with you the most. And we'll share it on an upcoming episode. And we'll also take all of your entries and put them into a raffle to choose one of you listeners to be a future guest on the Walk in My Stilettos podcast that is helping other women to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers. Thank you for joining us on the Walk in My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show in the world, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Angela Alston. She's an author, licensed addiction drug counselor, licensed master social worker, advanced alcohol drug counselor, certified clinical trauma professional, and therapist, owner of A Journey to Wholeness. Please welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Absolutely. So, Angela, I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe, you know, when we're children, we have these vivid imaginations and we, you know, fantasize about all the things that we want to be and what we want to do. And then society starts to put us in this box and tell us that we need to be realistic and, you know, limit us, unfortunately, with their own uh, beliefs. So I would love to know before you got to where you are today, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? That's interesting. Um, it's going to sound so weird. A tennis player. It's okay. so weird in the sense that when I was younger, I didn't see any black tennis players and I didn't have any set of skills or I wasn't playing tennis as a child. And the way my mind worked at the time was like, okay, seems easy. I don't know. I'm active. I want to be a tennis player when I grow up. And mm-hmm. then- Eventually, it changed to I wanted to be a drill sergeant in the army. Totally opposites. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. Okay. So how did you transition and get to where you are presently? Share with us the journey of how you got to where you are today. Oh, goodness. Um, Basically, my journey started with poverty. And it's an odd journey, I would say, in the sense that I was born in Ohio, Moved to Connecticut with my mom and my sister for a little while. And um, she met my father, um, which I didn't know at the time was my father. So we were here. We grew up in poverty. She struggled raising us. Um, We used to have to get my brother from school, from daycare. I mean, not school, but Mm -hmm. he was only a baby. And then we would have to bring him home, go home, lock the door, don't go outside, feed him his bottle, wait till she got home. And during this time while we lived in Connecticut, um, we didn't have a lot of food. I used to go to the corner store and I would steal because I was hungry. I would Mm -hmm. steal snacks until I finally got caught. Then I stopped stealing because he said he was going to tell my mom. So I stopped doing that. So we really had a rough time, a very Mm -hmm. rough go of it. While we were living here in Connecticut, my mother was in a very abusive relationship with my father. Um, Several instances of physical abuse. He also abused us physically. And finally, the last instance after him getting arrested, getting back out, getting arrested, getting back out, us moving all around Connecticut from one place to the other, trying to hide from him. uh, The last time was the most intense and the most traumatic. He got into the apartment and he threatened to kill my mother. Um, We were just standing there and he had a shotgun holding it to her while she was holding his son, who was only a newborn. And it was was very interesting turn of events. Police got involved. He took me outside with no shoes, no coat, running around in the snow, trying to hide from the police. So we moved to Alabama. When we moved to Alabama, my mother didn't come. She just told me and my sister to go with my cousin. And my aunt raised us for a little bit until she got situated. And if I thought we lived in poverty in Connecticut, oh, Mm -hmm. it was nothing. When we moved to Birmingham, Alabama, it was poverty on another level. I'm talking about me and my cousins 
sleeping in the same bed and covering ourselves with loads of clothes so we wouldn't feel the rats running on top of us. Oh, goodness. It was just a thing that we did when we used the bathroom. When you look in the toilet, you have to look in the toilet before you use it because there may be a mice or rat in there. Oh, gosh. Just the trauma of not having a towel. I have to stand in front of a little space heater, me and my cousins, naked to dry off after we've boiled boiled water, pretty much, um, to wash up for school. Mm-hmm. Going to school, embarrassed because you don't have deodorant. And you could hear the kids in the lunchroom line saying, somebody musty. Who's that so musty? God, they stink. They need to wear deodorant. And knowing it was me. Mm-hmm. This was a daily occurrence. A daily occurrence of starving pretty much and wondering when I was going to get my next meal and sharing my bed space um, with all my family members and, you know, the trauma of if a rat runs out and what to do and run here and throw something at it. So that was the start (laughs) of my journey. Now, moving to Connecticut, I moved here when I was 19 after a variety of traumatic events that happened as a teenager. So I began to think differently about life, you know, what I wanted. Um, My mother only had an eighth grade education. The only type of jobs my mother got was either working at a hospital, um, like CNA type work, cooking at restaurants. we didn't have any credit, bad credit, all of those kind of things. So when I moved up here at 19 to Connecticut, I only had a certain understanding regarding money. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't have any understanding regarding money or financial literacy. So moving out on my own, I realized how expensive it was to live on your own, especially in Connecticut. And eventually, after having my first child, I believe I decided to go ahead and go to college. My first degree was as a medical assistant. Funny enough, I didn't work a day in the field. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but I got it. And after that, I went for my next associates as a drug alcohol recovery counselor. Got a job in the field, so that was okay. But then, see, I I started getting a taste of, hmm, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right? College was never really talked about in my family, but I'm older than the other students, but I can really do this. And then finally, I went for my bachelor's in psychology. And at that point, I'm like, look here, you only got one more to go. Just go mm-hmm. ahead and go for your next degree. And so I finally decided at that point, I knew I wanted to be a therapist. So I got my master's in social work. And that pretty much got me to where I am today as far as academics and career. I hope that wasn't too much. (laughs) No. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Like you've experienced some, some trauma and some stuff. And then like now today you're a therapist helping other people get through their stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I always say on the show, our pain births our purpose. And every time a woman tells her story, you just, you hear it. It's just, so plain and simple. 
I can't even ask you like, why did you want to get into therapy? Like usually it stems from, you know, what you experienced and having, mm-hmm. you know, the empathy and compassion because you know what it feels like, yes. <laughs> you know, helping yeah. other people to, to get through that. Yeah. I truly believe that once I surrendered my life to Christ, after he healed me, he called me as a healer. Mm-hmm. So I did that in several ways. One of the ways I was ordained a pastor as well. So I'm a former pastor. Um, so I was, you know, in the church and I was doing it that way. And then he pulled me out of that way, out of the four walls and said, now I need you to go to a bigger, you know, a grander, more expansive amount of people so that they can all see who I am and what I did to you, I can do to them. Um, so it's just amazing how, you know, God will take your pain. And like he says, all things work together for good mm-hmm. for them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Now, going through all of that pain, I ain't going to even try to be deep. Uh, I didn't like it. I mm-hmm. cried a lot. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what was wrong with me, but I love the work I do. It's mm-hmm. not even work. It's not even work. I love it. So what inspires you the most about what you do? Seeing the change, seeing people come in one way. For example, I just resigned from my job um, working as a substance abuse counselor in the prison, an all-male prison. I did that for 10 years. Loved it. Mm -hmm. Just seeing the guys from the beginning of treatment and they all angry about it and I ain't no addict. You know what I'm saying? And then... Six months and the at the end they're like, Miss A, you all right? Like, oh, okay, I guess I understand. You know, like it ain't like I thought. You know, and then in my private practice, especially with women, because that's the majority of my clientele, mm-hmm. to see them come in with these distorted mindsets and they're broken and they just feel like they can't get any better and that things will be that way always, and then months in, every win they have, you know, then see them at six months and see them in a year. Oh my gosh. Mm. To see the healing process take place. That's why I said, this ain't work. I love this. Mm -hmm. It's worth it for me. I get it. I get it. And I I know when you are dealing with stuff like that, like I know for myself, you know, being an empath and being, being in a field of helping other people to heal from stuff can be heavy sometimes. So Mm -hmm. I would love to know, like, how do you stay motivated? You know, it's just that I just do what I do. It's like, I don't need the motivation at this point. I'm happy to go to work if I can Mm -hmm. call it work because it doesn't seem like work. It's my calling, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a, It's just like I'm in my space, I'm in my zone, and I'm just there. And I can be there for hours and hours and hours. So I don't I don't need the motivation. Mm -hmm. I I never had with this kind of work. Now, when I worked in the prison, it was the part of just going to work and the prison itself and everything that we had to do. But as it relates to helping people walk through their journey, journey to wholeness, as I call it, oh yeah, I don't need motivation. Mm-hmm. It just is. <laughs> so with, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of people's uh, jobs have changed, their careers mm-hmm. have changed, or they've had to pivot how they do their job. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know how has the pandemic affected how you serve? I would say definitely I'm more empathetic to those that 
had to work in jobs and then they switched to working from home. Mm -hmm. I've seen the biggest impact on those clients because on one end, it's like, oh, I'm excited about being home. I ain't got to go into the office. But the other part to that is you're at home, your kids at home, your significant other may be home and you're not getting out. You're not socializing Mm -hmm. with others. So it helps me to be more empathetic to them and to help give them some type of strategies that they may need if they're still working from home. Um, And for myself, it's just a matter of me being more mindful, you know, with my clients. They come in and they say, should I keep this mask on? And I always say, you know, you can keep it on if you're comfortable, but we're six feet, more than six feet apart. And I always let them know that I sanitize the couch and things like that. And I have sanitizer there. And I always just leave that space for clients to come in and talk about those kind of things. So as far as impact, I've gotten a lot more clients mm. and I mean so much so, so I have to shut it down. I can't take anybody else. Wow. So that's been the biggest impact I've had. That is, that is beautiful to hear. And I love when, women are open to sharing those things. Cause I know, you know, when the pandemic first hit and a lot of people were dealing with the devastation of it, I mm-hmm. was one of those people. Yes. I've experienced people that have died from COVID and, you know, people around me that have lost their jobs and so on and so forth. But I was one of those people that was able to thrive during this time, you know, being right. able to work from home, getting more clients, making more of an impact. So when I hear other women um, sharing the same, like it excites me to know that, you know, there's, there's good in all things and there's bad in all things. Right. It's, right. But being able to celebrate the growth and just the space of abundance, um, yes. you know, the, the ability to adjust in such a, <laughs> a time as this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I would love to know what is your superpower? What do you think your greatest strength is? Huh. Never been asked that question before. <laughs> my ability to discern. Mm. I think that would be my superpower because. It's amazing how I can come into a space, a client can come into my office and it can be my first session with them. And I just hit it mm-hmm. and they're crying, you know, like, how did you know that? And I said, I wasn't going to cry. And <laughs> oh my gosh, I said, I wasn't going to talk about that. Like, how do, how do you do this? Like, and I just love it because I know it's all from my spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And it was the same way in the prison. I can be facilitating a group. And I start talking about something and the guys be like, let's say we was just talking about that walking down here. Like, yo, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's like I'm a therapist, but yet I'm a healer, (laughs) you know, but I'm part Mm -hmm. profit. It's just and I use it all in the space. And I just love the fact that I know what other people don't know and I can see what other people can't see. Mm -hmm. And I can use that in my work. So. On the flip side, what mm-hmm. keeps you up at night? Like, what is something that maybe even something that you want to do and haven't been able to do yet or, um, you know, an impact that you want to be able to make that you haven't been able to do yet? Like, what, what keeps you up at night? I would say what I would be most concerned about is really building my legacy for my kids, mm-hmm. you know, because nobody in my family has done what I'm doing. No mm-hmm. one. I'm the first one to have my own private practice. I'm the first pastor in my family. Um, I don't want my kids to go through, although they're adults, 
Um, I just want them to see what it's like on the other side. And I want time because I'm 51, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to see that happen, you know, and a lot of times I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. I left my job, a quote unquote, good state paying job um, at the prison May 6th. I didn't know how I was going to pay for a medical for me and my husband. Mm-hmm. I took a huge leap. I know and I feel in my spirit that he called me to great things, to do a great work, but I had no idea exactly Mm -hmm. how that's going to play out. Um, So I can say that's the thing that I'm most concerned about is how, how is this going to happen? You know, what resources, where are they going to come from? Right. How long is it going to take? So those are the things that I would say concern me the most. Okay. So, you know, you talked about um, your kids, like how has being a mother changed you? Oh, gosh, I used to be so <laughs> selfish. I was so selfish. Um, I was selfish. I was mean. And then, you know, when I had my kids, my oldest is 30, you know, and I got so scared. I was just like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I have to, I have to, it ain't about me. Um, so more loving. Oh, my gosh. Selfless. Um, getting joy and seeing them succeed. And even if it's the little things and adulting, you know, like my daughter who has a child, she's 27, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's 27 and she'll FaceTime me. Mom, does this look right? Does this, <laughs> this neat look? You know, and I'm so tickled, you know. She's like, Mom, what do you think? Okay, can now you say you should have carbs and uh, vegetable. And like, can I give him this for lunch? And I just, it just makes my heart smile. You know, my oldest um, went through a psychotic break at the age of 17. And she went through a lot as a result of that in and out of the institutions. And to see her now at 30, Mm -hmm. doing her own thing, living in Buffalo, New York, living her best life. Man. Mm. So it's changed me in the sense that I'm more selfless and I just relishing the good things, the little things the you know, it doesn't have to be big things. So just the happiness that they bring me. I'm definitely more happy. Definitely. Yep. I get it. You know, what, what advice would you give right now to a woman that is listening, that is struggling through, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the pandemic and everything that is just happening in life right now? Hmm. First thing I would tell them is, It's okay to be selfish, to take care of yourself. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Most times we we care for everybody else, want to make sure everybody else is all right. But we don't do that for ourselves. And I would say to them, give yourself grace. We're not going to get it right all the time. We're not going to make the best decisions all the time. Mm -hmm. Take care of yourself. If it's a 15-minute walk, do it. You know, if it's changing your lifestyle so that you can live a healthier, more abundant lifestyle, do it. If you want to stop, you know, being the yes person for everybody and dropping everything and running to people, establish those boundaries. Mm-hmm. But life is too short. Take care of yourself. Put yourself first. It's time. Mm-hmm. So what I would tell them. I'm a, a strong believer in self-care and I have like mm-hmm. a avid, you know, self-care routine for mind, body and soul. So I would love to hear like, what does your self-care routine look like? Um, 
my self-care mostly I exercise five days a week, um, strength training, a combination of strength training, um, spinning, you know, stretching, um, Tabata, all of those things. I drink a gallon of water a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I start my day out with listening to something that's inspirational or motivational Mm -hmm. every single day. I read my um, devotionals. I read my devotionals and I listen to something inspiring every day to get my mind in the right place. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sit and I talk to God and, you know, talk to him about the things that I'm so grateful for. You know, the fact that I could get through this tough workout I went through today, you know, (laughs) the fact that my, my heart is beating correctly, the fact that I'm in my right mind and at 51, because I have a lot of friends that didn't make it. Mm-hmm. So gratitude with all of those things, I would say that's my self-care routine. I love it. I love it. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? Hmm. That I'm really silly. <laughs> I am really silly, you know, because if you were to see me, you look at me on a regular, not in none of the pictures I got on my website or nothing, but you see me on a regular, you're like, oh my gosh, she looks so mean, like she's going to bite somebody's head off. Um, and you know, that was a defense mechanism that I developed ever ever since I was young. Um, but I'm really silly and I love like watching things like the Avenger movies over and over and over again and stuff like Shrek over and over and over again. I'm like a kid. I love hero movies. Mm -hmm. I love when there's a good ending you know? So I would say that's a lot of people don't know those things about me. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So you said, you know, you love um, to be silly and, you know, good movies and joy and all that. Like when and where are you the happiest? With my family, with my family, with my husband and, you know, my grandbaby come over on Saturdays and he running around. It's being with my family, you know, just, just being relaxed. I ain't got no bra on. I'm just, you know, I'm chilling. Okay? I ain't got no makeup on. All right. Got my kick around dress on. <laughs> Some people call dress. Um, that's, you know, just relax and like chill. Cause mm-hmm. I'm so, I won't say I'm tight, but I even walk fast through Walmart for no apparent reason. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I do. Um, so to just be able to sit outside in the chair with my husband on the grill and watching my grandson run around and my dog, you know, chasing him and then he chased the dog. That's when I'm at my best. I love it. Doing nothing. Just mm-hmm. enjoying family. Love it. Love it. Okay. So tell us before we go to the final segment of the show, where people can stay connected with you online to mo- to learn more from you. My website, www.alstoncoaching.com. Dot com. I had to think about that. My website, um, <laughs> Instagram. I'm on Instagram a lot. Angela A underscore empowers mm-hmm. on Instagram. And if anyone wanted to know more about me regarding the services I provide as a therapist, they could find me on uh, Psychology Today. Those are the awesome. main platforms that I utilize right now. Awesome. Okay. So I will definitely have the links to those in the detailed section where people can just click and connect with you directly. They don't have to search too far. Thank you. You're welcome. 
So for the final segment of the show, it's kind of like a rapid fire. I call it a walk in her wisdom. And, um, you know, I ask a couple of reflection questions. You share the first thing that comes to mind, whether that be one word, one sentence. Sometimes I may ask you to unpack. Um, I like to break my own rules sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. The Alchemist. Mm, okay. Sure. If you can and have a gig- Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Let me walk with you on your journey to wholeness. Mm. Everyone deserves to be healed. I love that. Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be of money, time, energy. My lifestyle, changing my lifestyle, Um, coming from living in Birmingham, Alabama. And when I tell you, we ate every part of the pig, okay? Mm. Every part of the cow, Mm. we ate it all. Um, But to not be on medications at 51, Mm. the investment is worth it. To have a plant-based lifestyle, yeah. That would say, I would say that's my biggest investment, my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? I would say probably implementing CMOS. Some things that I would have never tried in my life. Um, So going to a plant-based lifestyle and implementing CMOS and just being more open to a variety of things that could assist me with longevity and Mm -hmm. living a healthier life and living longer. Love it. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. Because I've always been good at saying no. (laughs) (laughs) Better. You know, I would say as it relates to some of my clients, um, because sometimes I would have clients that would you know, they would come and then they stop and then they come, then they stop. I've gotten better at saying, no, I'm sorry. I can't take you back, Mm -hmm. you know, because time is of the essence. And I have to help them understand that when we do a lot of work to get them in a certain space and then they leave Mm -hmm. and they don't come back for three, four, five, six months or come back when things are really bad, that's a lot of work to do. And the clients that I currently have, they deserve all my energy and effort. Mm -hmm. Those that are consistent. So as hard as it is for me, that's hard to say no, but I've gotten better at that. Mm -hmm. Sure. What do you wish women would do more of? Take care of themselves and to ink. Listen, can I just say, honey, raise them standards. Mm -hmm. Raise them. Please do. It's like, it's not about things all the time. You know, raise the standards in your life. Love yourself more. Don't allow people to take advantage of you. You know, don't be in toxic, abusive relationships Mm -hmm. just because, you know, he may be a great provider or she may be this or that, or, you know, you're afraid to be alone. Listen, Mm -hmm. once again, the pandemic has taught many of us life is too short. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourselves. Put yourself first. Know your worth. Know your worth. Absolutely. I love it. Angela, do you feel there's any question that I haven't asked you that you would love to answer and, and share with the ladies listening? Oh, 
what's next for Angela? What's All next? Right. What is next for Angela? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's most of what I'm going to say, it's, it's all based on faith, right? Because these are the things that are in my heart. What's next is for me to work more with ex-offenders. Um, I just received an opportunity to be the therapist for ex-offenders that are currently in halfway houses and um, to work with them and provide one-to-one services. But the next thing after that would be to have a support group to Make a support group for the women that's in their lives, the women that, that they are coming home to, like girlfriends, mm-hmm. they mamas, mm-hmm. they booze, whoever, those that love them, to help them in understanding um, what the subculture of prison does to their loved one mm-hmm. and why they are having such a difficult time reintegrating back into the home and into their children's lives just to give them the understanding from a a woman's perspective who also worked in the prison. What's next? Real estate investing. And I want my children to work for me. I want my children to see that it is possible to start from the bottom, as they say, to come from nothing, Mm -hmm. to be the siblings and the cousins that everybody talked about and said nothing would ever come good, you know, from them. Um, And to show everyone that it's possible So real estate investing and um, traveling, you know, spreading the word. Mm -hmm. I would always say, God, you know, I can't be everybody's therapist, but I sure want to, you know. (laughs) I know I can't get to everybody. Can you make a way so I can reach the masses? So whether that be through social media or traveling or having my own TV show one day, I think, yes, that's next. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Angela, for taking the time to join us, for sharing your story with us, for being so transparent about your journey. And I'm sure there are so many gems that the ladies that are listening can take away from that. So I just want to thank you. I truly appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you legacy leavers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. Don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And if you could think of one woman that would receive value from hearing today's show, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Angela at Angela A underscore empowers and you can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs> <laughs>